I'm the daughter of the guy who hired you. Daddy told me to tell you that I don't know what he hired you for and not to tell me. That I'm totally untrustworthy. I'm a flipper to gibbet. Think of the children! Brooks Robinson was the best third baseman ever. Hmm. It's important that you agree with me on that because I'm from Baltimore. She thinks Brooks Robinson is the greatest. So do you. Everyone thinks Brooks Robinson is the greatest. It's a sign. There's a sign. Where is Seattle? Right. Where's Baltimore? It's right there. Look, one, two, three, four, but there's like 26 states. Between here and there. Now that's a sign. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Oh, I have no response to that. The odd thing about this form of communication is that you're more likely to talk about nothing than something, but I just want to say that all this nothing has meant more to me than so many somethings. So thanks. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Oh. That's good. I have no response to that. Hey everybody, welcome back to a special episode of kiss your franchise goodbye uh we are recording this it's the Christmas morning edition Eve morning <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh to try to get this in before holiday festivities it's it's the beginning of uh hanks and ryan season uh happy holidays to all who celebrate uh true love and whatever this movie is Joe versus the volcano, <laughs> the first Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie. Um, welcome to this new franchise. Uh, I'm your host, Andy Wilson. Uh, with us, we've got uh, pretty much the whole crew here. Um, starting just a uh, a little bit to my south, returning champion Melissa. Uh, I hated this movie. You hated this movie. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> I didn't I say that. Who said that? that? If yeah. I said that, I would be wrong. This was the longest 101 minute movie ever. <laughs> I'm not arguing that. <laughs> um, to uh, to Melissa's north and east, uh, Brookheim, and then JB Flinders. You know, I really wished that at the end that Melissa would have ended up liking it like I did, but I accept. I, I I'm accept. With, I'm with Brooke. I really like. I like the first two acts. I don't like the third act. Um, I, I the the last twenty five minutes after the moon scene, which is one of my favorite scenes actually in cinema. I think the movie just there's too much and it's too cluttered and, but I really like the first two acts. So I'm I'm one third with Melissa. You don't like the problematic portrayal of indigenous uh, Pacific it's, Islander people in this movie? It's, it's really funny because like the first the first two thirds is really kind of this existential search for what has society done to us as people almost. Right. And then the third act is like, ah, forget it. <laughs> let's just let's do a stupid stuff with a volcano. And what, what if a bunch of white people? Yeah. What if? Yeah. Let's beat you with fish because that doesn't make any sense, right? So, yeah, it's it's kind of and and you know, kid, like we talked about before, this is this is done at this feels like a play, like the first two acts to me feel like it was done on stage, and then the third one is like we forgot how to make a movie, so you know, studio note, let's just how much money do we have left? Let's spend it right on fish or whatever, so. 
Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it more, but I'm I'm with Melissa on 33.33% of this movie. Um, so. Steven Spielberg was like, studio note, <laughs> let's have Tom Hanks get beat up by an octopus. The- <laughs> really, the, the only thing the last third of that movie needed was a crystal skull. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and then and then coming at us, uh, uh, themselves sleepless outside of Seattle <laughs> early Seattle. on this <laughs> Seattle morning. Uh, my my sibling Kit, how you doing? Uh, I'm weak. Well, I have a, I have a brain cloud. You have a brain cloud. We all have a brain cloud um, because this movie. Joe versus the volcano. What the heck is this thing? I, I, whenever, whenever I talk about this, I like have to. I like. I am personally enthusiastic about this movie. I love this movie, and then I say it is not for everyone. Most people hate this movie. <laughs> I feel like though, because I'd heard that it was bad, and then I feel like like there's several movies where years later people revisit and they're like, "Oh, this was really good," and it seems like it's got that kind of revival to it. Like a lot of people I know, like most of you here, really love this movie and maybe didn't love it at first or whatever, but it seems like it's got a revival thing, and I kind of get that because it does try to be deep on a kind of semi-shallow level like it, mm-hmm. it it does talk i know that doesn't make yeah, sense that's <laughs> no it's just a great description mm-hmm. but and i appreciate you know some of the the more profound moments some of the some of the script is really beautifully written but but it's all the stuff in between like i said yesterday that i don't like and most of the movie is the in between and it's not very good um but so I, I guess because a lot of people are going through kind of existential crisis right now and, and sort of questioning things. And then you look at like AI and deep fakes and all this shit out there. It makes you wonder what the hell have we done? Right. I mean, what have we robbed? And, and we, I think that would appeal to you if you're sort of going through that, but, but it's just, uh, it missed the mark. It like it, I don't know. I don't know. This is hard. I, kinda, I, I, I mean, I know totally where you're, where you're at, Melissa, because there is a lot of that in this movie. I, I think the, I, I agree with you. And I, I think one of the things we were talking about was how prophetic, weirdly, this movie became in that I remember watching it, what, Andy, 20 years ago. I think we watched it together. Um, yeah. And we were just kind of like, oh, sure. Yeah. Brain cloud. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Capitalism. So bad for you. And now you're right, Melissa. We're living in like it's almost not funny anymore because of all the things that happened to Joe kind of happened to everybody. Right. Like yeah. Um, yeah. everybody has Dan Hadaya at work. Everybody has. You know, it's it's like he has PTSD from being a firefighter and he's got this brain cloud and he can't afford his health insurance and he hates his job. And so I, I think Early breaking it. Yeah. Breaking it down to the pieces I like is it's a guy who doesn't have anything left and he goes to find out what's valuable about existence, which is ruined by the third act when existence is Abe Vigoda and fish. 
Um, but, but I, I mean, I, I, I think it, I, it's like I said, I would have really liked to have seen it on the stage because, <laughs> I, feel like, because I do, I feel like what was ruined in the movie is the stuff that kind of got weaved in between the script. Like you said, Melissa, like there's just filler and distraction. And I kind of wanted it to focus more on, is this a really, is this like a Joseph Campbell Right? Is this a hero's journey? What are these roles that Meg Ryan is? Is it like the mother maiden crone? Right? Like, what are we really trying to get at with this person rather than should he buy this umbrella or the other? <laughs> I don't know. So I'm totally with you on the filler kind of distracting from what I thought yeah. was a really good message. Yeah, like that the hurricane. Like, what the fuck? You, we know yeah. we're gonna get the volcano moment, so you're not gonna kill him. So why bother with all that shit? You yeah. know, um, <clears throat> excuse me. This had the potential, and this is another second week where a movie had potential to be something better, but it had the potential to like be almost like Walter Mitty ish. It reminded oh. me a little of that movie, you know, which yeah. we did, which we saw together. Um, a few what a, a couple months ago i think um for kids birthday but like it but it it didn't go there because i i think with walter um he had a journey that was understandable and they you know sort of earned what the ending but um this movie did not earn its ending. I mean, it was so random. It was like Deus Ex Machina. You know what I mean? Like, uh, literally, yeah. Yeah. It, what the fuck happened? You know. And 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 here's the thing. I'm gonna ruin my studio note here, but I wanted to. If you're gonna make a hundred and one minute movie of this, cut out the bullshit, and then let's see when they get home. He's married to the daughter and confronts his new father-in-law over the attempted murder of him because that's right. what. He was a victim. They glossed over the fact that he was a victim of an attempted murder by his father-in-law and his doctor. Like that would be more interesting. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, that. Yeah. They, they focused on the wrong fucking things just like last week. (laughs) Joe versus the volcano to the, the reckoning. The reckoning. The purge. Not, that's a better movie than this the, one. The the pickle vat. Jump in a pickle vat instead of volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kit, what have you? I was I was going to say. Um, I feel like the the point of the hurricane is to advertise that everybody needs incredibly expensive luggage, or they will die. <laughs> this, check for a Samsonite logo in this movie, will you? Right. Somebody's got it. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you don't have incredibly expensive, like putting that guy's kids through college luggage, you know, each year is paid for by one trunk, then uh, they still know. would have pushed DiCaprio off it. There's no room, Leo. Yeah, the, yeah. You would have ended yes. up on a door with only Rose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Rose there, would be would be like, nope, not enough room on this floor. So there's another theory, and Andy, I don't know if we talked about this, where he in reality dies, like halfway through the movie, and everything else is just the brain cloud, like the the his what he perceived it to be as he was dying, like, and then the volcano is him actually dying. And and I wondered what everyone's take was on this, if this is just really whimsy, right? And in reality, his life ended 
for earlier in the film. And then like that third act is just his brain playing out what would have happened, which I like more because I think the third act, again, I'm with all of you. It's dumb. Um, but I didn't know what any, if anybody caught that or I, I, I read a couple people say, that's what we think. I went, Oh, that's really interesting. I never watched it that way. Like he was already dead. I mean, it could be, I don't, I don't know that that makes it a better or more satisfying film. Um, I don't know. I feel like this, like the core of this is about a guy who has lost his life. Like he says, he sold it for 300 bucks a week to like work in this awful corporate capitalist system. And that's it. And even though we know like these are all the things that are sucking the life out of us, we're just like, yeah, okay, that's that's what we do. Um, he, he starts off the movie literally saying like, I'm losing my soul, mm. uh, talking about his shoe, but uh, I think talking about something deeper um, and and we as the audience are certainly supposed to, take that understanding and this is about him trying to claw that back through like several different things and suddenly when it's like oh you have six months to live you have no ties money is no object uh, for the foreseeable future and you're gonna go throw yourself in a volcano then like then you start taking stock of the little things And you start enjoying things. But also, I think this movie is about, like, loneliness Mm. and Joe finding, like, happiness and and solace in in being alone. Like, the fact that at the – when he's in L.A., he doesn't sleep with Angelica – and instead he just goes and sits on the beach and waits for the sun to rise. And then Patricia's like, I don't know anything about you. If you'd slept with my sister, I'd know something about you, but I don't know anything about you. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like he is, he is kind of like stripping away all of these layers of the gunk that life has heaped upon him for the last several years. And like, we all sort of need to go through that soul cleansing uh, so that we can have that moment alone out on the boat and, and see the moon and be like, I've forgotten how big this all is. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with you that I would, I would kind of be fine if the movie sort of ended there with like that epiphany because everything gets very silly very quickly and uh, very offensive uh, on a lot of different levels. Not only the, the racial issue, but I, I know Melissa from your reactions in our group chat, the, um, uh, the, the relationship between Patricia and Joe suddenly becomes 
very different when when they're on the island and the whole like oh i'm a woman and i have to sort of take care of the man and ugh, it's all really frustrating mm -hmm. um so yeah um but anyway this this movie is weird and i'm i'm with you jb that like i find the first two-thirds of the movie like very like contemplative and life affirming and then like i i don't know what this ending is it's like but but there it is abe vagoda and nathan lane as uh pacific islanders no thank you but yeah well well supposedly jewish italian pacific islanders that's what jewish happens. italian celtic yeah. um yeah i i don't yeah. know it, that that's that that is some grade A hand waving lampshading right there. Oh yeah. Hey, look, we we know this isn't a real culture, uh, so we made up one of our own. Oh, oh, that's great. So this is a movie about how capitalism ruins indigenous cultures, but we're we won't even be real enough and make this a real place these aren't tongans or fijians or samoans or hawaiians this is waponi woo uh and they love orange soda uh, so frustrating kind of funny but like I, I, this is just like grade a well-meaning white people in the 90s like thinking that they are progressive and for the time kind of being progressive. I, I don't know, like not really, but can I, I um, share my thoughts real quickly? Of course. So I know I have a take, different take and I know I'm probably overly romanticizing it. And so I'm, I'm fine being wrong. <laughs> um, I do love the first two acts of this movie and I feel like especially um, when I first watched it, it was like, I think I was 19, I was in college and the conversations about <laughs> capitalism and the way that we were dying for our companies and these things, like those were fairly new conversations for me. I don't know culturally that they were happening a lot. Um, and so like, I remember watching this and really like each scene has such a crafted feel to it that I really felt like the last scene of it being completely outrageous and completely fanciful and like all these different feelings of it. To me, the statement was more like sure we can change things we can go through we can blow everything up we can like shed these masks that we've been wearing and these suits that we've been bound to and what we get next is completely unscripted it's completely fanciful it's so outrageous and unseen yet that we 
the best we can do is try not to fuck it up more. And the best we can do is try not to destroy the things that are around us and try not to, to recreate all the same problems that we've already been existing in. And the outrageousness of that last scene, the, the depiction of things in such horrible ways, it's like, what, what is the opportunity that we're going to take here and how are we going to create it? And, um, how do we not screw it up more? And that was kind of like in this really over the top way, just like all the other scenes were, it was this way of saying, are you going to do better? <laughs> like, what are we, what are we going to, how are we going to make these next scenes of our lives better than, than this? And, and I'm sure like, as I said, that wasn't, their intent or maybe they didn't know what they were doing but not knowing how to have those conversations not knowing how to create better um that's kind of what I took from it when I first watched it and uh I I felt this like need to do better than the last scene and it it absolutely has its problems and I'm not trying to write those away but um when I watched it I I saw it as this like kind of a light like they were shining on all the other parts of what we're doing and creating and how we're existing and um continuing to shine that light on what happens if we don't just do better no i think you're i think you're right about that too i mean this like for being a very silly movie i also find incredibly deep in some places and there is something about the relationships in this movie. Although I think we need to unpack the fact that they're all Meg Ryan, that Dee Dee Angelica and uh, Patricia are, it's like, Oh, it's the same woman. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't it's kind of how I felt like that. I've gone through my marriages. <laughs> my first one was really garbage and like all these progressions, like, I don't know. I'm very different people in very different parts of my life. Well, and I think that's part of where the how much of it is Joe's reality versus figments of his imagination. In that, is is that character part of him, like his existential change? You know, how much of this is reality, and how much of it is him, like how he's changing as well, and the characters around him change, right? So I know that that Brooke, to your point, that's something that they've written about is you know what is the growth you know how much is that character external or just a figment um as he goes through the progression because the characters make him change as well or he helps them change whatever you know however you want to view the the first person or third person but um yeah it's 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 a really interesting character and i don't think it saved him any money because meg ryan was the most famous of everybody right so um, it, it, there had to be another reason to do it. I felt so, like there were, there were points at which, um, this had to have just been like all the studio notes put against them, right? Like, how are we going to make a movie about corporate America and still get it made? How are we going to do this? And I'm sure they got tons of studio notes and had to change a bunch of stuff and still had to try to get their message across. Um, at least that's what my brain thinks. I don't know. But so I, I do like think the... 
these different perceptions of how people see us and how we exist. Like, like you were saying, JP, like how, how many of those differences were her living through different parts of her and how many were the way that Joe was perceiving her? I have a response to that. Um, so, uh, my, my first thought was that Joe's big pickup line is the moment I saw you, I felt like I had seen you somewhere before. And so to me, I feel like that, that is the bell that they're ringing when they're like every woman in Joe's life that he's attracted to is basically the same person with different hair and a different accent but it's like they are such vastly different characters played by someone with the same nose you know um and i think that they're basically trying to be a reflection of of who joe is and i don't love using the the romantic interest as a way to show progression of the character but i think that in this case like it's done with enough comedy and enough like you know we know what we're doing we're not apologizing sorry not sorry isn't it funny um and meg ryan just steals the show so it's like i'm okay with this if it's anybody else but meg ryan i'd probably be a little bit grumpy but she's so great. She's so funny as a flipper to gibbet. Um, also, I do feel like the the phrase "I have no response to that" like has has held me in good stead since I first saw this movie in my twenties. Yes, I feel and I like use that all the time. I feel like as a really like as a person who's supposed to be really smart, we're always supposed to have a response to that. And so having somebody who is smart and talented okay maybe not like super smart but like um kind of underrates herself and uh and very wealthy basically by the by america's means successful willing to admit i have no response to that um and like i was so mad that that wasn't a meme and then someone made it a meme and i was so excited when it was finally like around, like oh, it's a meme now. I could say that to people. Um, yeah, I use that reaction gif all the time to people. All the like, time. Oh, I have no I response, have no to, response that. to that. Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's so good. But to me, like, kind of going back to what JB said about this being like a play. To I, I almost. When I watched it, the you know, in my twenties, I was just like, "This movie is ridiculous. It's just funny and silly," um, and like, like, "Oh, that's that's terrible that his adult life feels that way." And now I'm like, as a forty-something, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much how work, you know." And it's like, even when you do a job that you you quote unquote love, like I love my job. But there is still something very, like, kind of soul-crushing about, uh, you know, there there are times I get to, like, Wednesday or Thursday and go, man, I feel really bad. I just feel really sick. I don't, I don't want to go to work. I just don't feel good. Um, 
and I I know that that's mental, health, mental day. health. Yeah, well, it's like I know that that's my mental health, but I also am like you know post pandemic that I don't have enough sick time for that. Um, so go you go to work anyway with your mental health. Go, you know you go go and go go. Um, but I feel like this movie, watching it in my forties, it's like it's almost absurdist where things just don't have a consequence and like that that like third act is just like well we've said what we want to say and now we're going to make the movie studio happy and do a lot of cocaine and nothing is going to have a consequence and it's just going to be ridiculous because that's the only way we can get out of this movie with a pg rating um and and not be completely depressing (laughs) And so they just took it like completely the other, the other direction because I was watching with John and he did not like the first two acts. He was like, I think I'm going to go to the grocery store or something. And then the third act started and he's like, are we watching a different movie? Like what just happened? And he just sat there and it seemed like very happily entertained for the last act. And I was like, this I feel is exactly the beauty and dangerousness of of America where it's like you, you you get you know whatever you wish for and it's ridiculous and diff- so different from your everyday life that you're just like yeah I'm a, I'm on board I can go jump into a volcano and that cuz that's you know I want to I want to see myself as brave and cool and smart um and you know do it in formal wear but I do, I do think like you know there there are a lot of things that happen in this movie where, like, you know, you're even the ending, actually, especially the ending, like that there an entire civilization falls under the water because of you know mythology and geology coming together and rejecting Tom Hanks, and you know it's like oh sorry you don't have enough catalogs to jump into this volcano. Um, and I just, I, I don't know, I, I, like they're, they're going to live happily ever after, but they're, they're about to like have to survive an incredibly, you know, I'm like, I don't think they can survive being out on the ocean without any food or water, like again, but you know, maybe with enough mini golf, it'll be okay. I, yeah, I don't know where they washed up to like where they ended up being happy ever after but you know the the whole like being in your 40s thing um when the pandemic started um i i set a new alarm on my phone because i used to have to like get up in the morning get ready for work maybe go into the office or i was taking kids to school or something and I had something else to like get me up and going and then once the pandemic started I still had those like early alarms but then I'd wake up and then I'd fall back to sleep because I didn't have anything to do until 9 a.m. so I set an alarm for 8 55 that went off and what song woke me up to get me to go 
do 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 because every day it was like trudging back into the salt mines at work and i hated it and i was like i load 16 tons of marketing emails <laughs> now another day older and deeper in debt um yeah. and uh i just i have felt this brain cloud and this antipathy towards like all of the systems that that we have in place and it's just like this is a slog and i hate it and um yeah and i've i've sold my soul for 300 bucks a week and it's yep. so here's so here's what's interesting to me and and melissa maybe i'll ask you first since um so we all have something in this movie that resonates with us right whether it's the capitalism piece the relationship piece the stupid third act how do we make this movie better and keep the theme right because i i think that's what we're all getting to is we like the message we like the undertones right there's a ton of stuff that resonates with us but many parts of the movie just stunk. So I kind of wanted maybe Melissa, if you don't mind starting, I would love to know what, what would this movie have looked like if it were what you wanted with a message like that? Right. Yeah. So I think consistency is one thing that it didn't have. Um, the tone shifted quite a bit. I think in okay. this movie. I'm not sure it knew if it wanted to be like a rom-com or just like, a dark comedy or what it was trying to do. Hmm. It was sort of all over the place. So pick a lane, you know? Okay. Um, but also I think this movie could have been so much better if any character other than Joe had any kind of, of fleshing out, hmm. you know, um, the only one we really got a chance to get to know on any level is Joe. And even then, I think it was only because of, our society, the way it is, we just related to him. We don't still really know him because he was all over the place too. Like he's a sad yeah. sack. Then all of a sudden that gray pasty pallor is gone because he got a few credit cards and could buy luggage and expensive suits. Like, cause he looked really healthy out all of a sudden after he started shopping, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> getting that haircut, getting rid of that 90s I, mullet. Oh, my I, God. Capitalism is good for me. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck happened to him? That's like an ode to capitalism right there. Like, yep. oh, just go get yourself a fancy set of luggage that will soon be a flotation device. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and a haircut and a, and a nice, wise, you know, uh, wise, tropey. Uh, what is it called? The driver, a magical oh, black Aussie Negro Davis. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like like the, the, the magic Negro choke, right? Like that's yeah. like you get yourself one of those, like you know, and 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 you're gonna be okay. All of a sudden, you're gonna feel so much better. Where's his brain cloud? Where's his depression? Where's the PTSD? It all just disappears now that he's got some money at his disposal. Like what the fuck, you Dopamine. know? It, it uh i guess right it um it doesn't make sense like he stopped being a sad sack the moment he got those credit cards and he still he feels he obviously looks and feels great 
And, you know, now he's going to go kill himself still. And the fact that he didn't get a second opinion, you fucking idiot. Like, what? Yeah. That, you know, it, there's just too much disbelief here, you know, to suspend. It, it just, um, they didn't earn any of the things that really happened. You know, um, sure, two people can fall in love that quickly, but he didn't even want to marry her, even though he was going to die in five minutes, you know? And then all of a sudden they're going to live happily ever after maybe like it, it, none of it makes sense. It's so inconsistent. And, and they, they didn't like, they needed a script editor who could go in there and show them all these glaring things, but they just didn't bother, you know? Yeah. Um, See, and then, I um, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I feel like they did it very intentionally. Like, they're like, yes, this is this doesn't make sense, but this is the American dream right here, like, and to show you that it doesn't make sense because we all think like if we just had enough money to buy whatever we wanted, then we'd be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's out there buying whatever he wants, eating whatever he wants, with no, you know, no credit card bills coming back to him, and he's gone from survival where, you know, th I'm like, I've lived on the $300 a week. I'm like, that seems oddly, uh, like an oddly familiar specific number. Yeah. Um, and like, and you're just surviving and you don't realize you're just surviving, but that's kind of where you are. Like you have just enough money to buy, you know, to pay your rent and your bills. And then you live on ramen and beans and rice and like what, you know, you get excited when you can find chicken or broccoli on sale, right? And so you're not your healthiest version of yourself. And there is something to be said where it's like you get a dopamine hit every time you buy something. It's like checking something off your checklist, but bigger. And so there, it's not true happiness, but it is that like momentary excitement and satisfaction comes to your brain and you don't feel it's why people with mental illness will go someplace like disneyland and try to feel something like by the way don't go to disneyland when you have on we guys because there's i'm not going to say there's nothing sadder than disneyland when you're phenomenally depressed but you just you, it feels like being in joe versus the volcano like you just see like the, oh this is this is ridiculous and it's Does all about come out? yeah april Goda comes out, out and like right. offers you some fish slapping and <laughs> and the orange soda does make you feel better somehow you just want to dance on the beach but you know there's something wrong with you um except you have so much dopamine in your system that you're like i don't care there's no consequences i just i feel good right now um now, one of the thing, one of the things that I found so profound on this rewatch that I'd never noticed before is that first night, you know, Ossie Davis drops him off at the Pierre Hotel and he goes and he eats dinner alone and he goes and he sits at the bar and you think maybe he's talking to that woman next to him, but no, he's not. And then he's just alone. And he's kind of like I, I that that loneliness. It's like, yeah, all of this stuff happened and it doesn't 
fundamentally really change what's going on. And then the second night, he does the same thing with Angelica. And she's like, I could come up. And he's like, nope. He just goes and sits on the beach. And it's like, that is like profound. And um, I, I don't know. I just, I really, I really vibed with that because you're right, Kit. Like, even if you have all of these material things, it doesn't necessarily make you feel better. It does for the moment, but then, mm-hmm. you know, but then it looks like that out, that outfit is wearing you Felix, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, and I think Andy, it's especially profound. I mean, you know, the, those of us with children in and around us, I mean, we spend much of our days saying, if you're not okay with you, then you can't be okay with how you draw people to you, right? Or situations or those kinds of things. And I think that is a really interesting point of this movie, Andy, is that he, he you realize that you are really all you've got, right? And it's it's a lesson that I think gets manifested a couple ways in this movie where, um, you know, you, you have to be at peace with yourself and understand yourself before you can be at peace and understand what's everything else, right? Um, and I do, I think that's, I'm with Melissa that I think that could have been highlighted more effectively or brought as a, an interesting plot point rather than just, you know, like we did having to catch it, um, and, and be interested in it. But I think that that is a really, I mean, that's a really valuable thing. Like no matter how many credit cards people throw at you, if you don't have the internal fortitude and awareness, you're not getting anywhere with it. Right. Unless you're in the ocean and you have a trunk, that's super helpful. Yeah. It was interesting watching this with Prudence for the first time. Um, Because when I watched it with her, I actually fell asleep during the third act because it just doesn't ever capture me that much. But she stayed awake and she watched it all. And at the end, um, I was awake for just the very end and we talked about it. I said, what did you think of this? And she said, and and I mean, being, you know, 11 at the time, she's had a lot of exposure to good cinema just because she sits in a lot of these movies with us, but she's still a kid. Right. And she was like, it feels like it was a grown up fairy tale and fairy tales never really make that much sense, but it did seem like being a grown up sucks (laughs) unless, and, and the message that I'm taking from this is I need to start being ready now for what I want my life to look like when I'm your age. Otherwise it's just going to be a mess. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, wow. there you go. I like, want that for her so badly. But yeah. do you, but do you think part of that Brooke is because when you're that age, you don't recognize the, the subtle meanings that the movie gives you like, you know, like the, the well-writtenness of the relationships and the internal monologue, right? Because, well, I, mean, I feel I... like she actually got a lot of that. It was really interesting because we, we talked about all the parts of it as, as she was going. And she talked about, um, like, the flower being killed was, like, really yeah. impactful to her. Like, that really yep. bothered her. Yeah. And she was like, oh, this feels like the Lorax as it's starting. And like, um, 
there were there were points of it that and I mean Prue's probably ten times smarter than I am, right? Like she's just incredibly aware and she sees a lot. Um so I don't think it would have been the same experience as watching it with other kids, um, possibly, but there were these parts that were just like she really felt the heaviness of some of these things and, and the like going out and spending money thing. She was like, that can't be the answer. Like, um, those parts didn't sit well with her because she was like, why doesn't he, why is he going out and spending money? Why isn't he going out and like just living and, and experiencing like breathing and going like she did like that he went and sat at the beach but there are these there are these different themes of it that she was like I think what did she say I'm trying to remember what it was it said because a little bit ago she said I think that um it would be really easy to just continue to focus on all the wrong things even if you think you're dying and I think that's what, and I think that was my takeaway from it is that's why I like the moon scene so much is when you, when you realize that in reality, there is nothing other than your own awareness of what is, mm-hmm. then life is really beautiful. Right. And, I, and that's where I, that's the take home message. And I, and I like Prue's takeaway of what gets in your way of that. And we've talked about that for the last hour, right? Is all the stuff that life throws at you that you think you want, right? Like Disneyland. And <laughs> I mean, you can still want Disneyland, but um, that's why I, I really like Prue's take. Cause what I hope it leads her to is it, you know, at the end you're in front of the moon and you're like, there is really so much there that I can just experience if, if I allow myself to. And I, and it is too bad that Joe has to do all this stuff before he really allows himself to just realize the vastness of existence and the joy of it and proves totally right on, right? Like you don't have to go buy an umbrella to be happy. Although it is funny that Joe buys all these really functional things, right? Like yeah. I'm going to get the nice yeah. sheets, forget this. Um, but, but yeah, it is. And, and I think the kids here would have the same takeaway, which is there's a lot of fluff around a story about really just being okay, no matter what life gives you. Like I can hear the 16 year old saying that, like there's sure a lot of filler about, you know, life is really about people that are important to you and you being important to yourself. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested, Brooke, when everybody else in the house watches it today, what you come back mm-hmm. with, and see if everybody got that sick, because that's going to be fascinating for you. I yeah, really like I well, and we, she and I talked a lot about and I hope my family never listens to this, but um, we talked a lot about my mom. Right. Like my mom has had this series of my mom could very easily be Joe, um, <laughs> like bad decisions and like. Yeah are not necessarily bad but like and so Prue was like yeah like Gigi's answer to everything is to run away to Disneyland yeah much to to, and so like it this does seem like maybe (laughs) 
Melissa, maybe what you're missing is not having grown up Mormon because this very much feels like the Mormon dream of like just buying all the Melissa, is so a sorry. weird Mormon subtext. In it, it really is like all of this Joe versus the weird. terrestrial volcano. Is that what we're talking about yeah. here? <laughs> it's so fucking. Most weird. of the people who I know who love this movie are Mormon. So that's, oh, yeah. see, I was I get a lot of thirty five to fifty four, like post midlife crisis. Like you look at all the people who review this movie and go, "I sure like this movie." It's like people my age, right, who are realizing that you're halfway done and da 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 da. So that's another interesting subplot there, Andy and Brooke, about the <laughs> specific denomination. <laughs> well, like all these Mormon women, and it used to just be like my mom's generation, but it's so many more now and younger girls and they're just obsessed with running away to Disneyland all the time and and escaping anything real by this extremely bizarre Wow fantasy life like my mom calls disney the the fourth kingdom of heaven like magic wow. kingdom is the fourth <laughs> kingdom of heaven like, Boy, they like, are missing a commercial tagline brooke <laughs> right like they could sell so many more annual passes that ksl way. yeah yeah i mean i love i love disneyland but uh i certainly hope heaven isn't full of lines and trying to sucker me out of money at every single turn. I also yeah. hope it's not so sweaty between July and September. It's <laughs> also why I like, have such a hard like time with Disney movies because yeah. it was my mom's escape from, from just fucking owning her shit and doing better. I think this movie feels that way to me. Boy, that's really interesting. Yeah. How interesting. Like I'm, I never would have thought, 20 years after having first seen this movie, I would be sitting with four very intelligent people going, this movie strangely affected us all in a very different way. Like Joe versus the volcano. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> How I, funny is that? <laughs> yeah. Melissa, I so. didn't mean to talk over you just now. I, no, I it's was curious what you were saying. No. Yeah, I agree with you, Melissa. It does smell like pee sometimes. <laughs> no, I just... Um, <laughs> I feel like I I sort of understand what you're saying, but it's weird for me because I think this movie, even though on the surface it's a little shallow and it can get a little deep sometimes, but it just messes it up. It bungles it later. But <laughs> the thing is, it does make you think about your own mortality. You can't watch this movie and not think, take stock of your life and your mortality. If you, if you don't, you're not paying attention, right? Sure. So it does make you do that. And and that's a pretty great thing, you know, about this movie because it's not all bad. Okay, I know it makes I'm making it sound like it's the fucking worst, but it's it's not. It's just you know a missed opportunity, I think. Um, but it's when you when I take stock of things, I think of how much time I wasted doing things that were bad for me and making bad decisions. But I'm in such a great place right now that like. I maybe that's why I maybe because I don't feel sad like Joe, you know, or disconnected or lonely or sick. I used to, but I don't anymore. And so maybe because I'm past that hurdle finally, it took me years, but maybe I just see it differently. Like, like, you know, I, um, 
I'm not in that place. I can relate to him like 10, 15 years ago, but not now. And so it's, it's familiar. And yet the way they treated it was just botched, you know? And, and I think having gotten past a certain part of my life that reflected his, it's easier to not, uh, it's easier to see the flaws, I think. And does that make sense? Like it's easier yeah. for me. To I think that's totally to fair. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that now what we would expect from a movie would be totally different. Like if this was my first watch, Melissa, I feel like I would have had the exact same experience as you watching this in my twenties in a room full of like Mormon band nerds, as we all had very different experiences of it. I think I was the only one that walked away like, Oh fuck. Like the rest of them were like, that was just funny. Ha ha ha. And I was like, uh, 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 -uh. <laughs> the future is bleak. Um, but I didn't expect very much of it back then. And I give it a lot of, uh, a lot of freedom and leeway that I don't think I would give something now for, for that exact reason. Like I was in a, I experienced it differently from the beginning. And so I experience it a bit differently now. But I think that's such a cool, like that was the happiest part, Melissa, of hearing you say that, right? Because mm -hmm. it's great that, like we all are like we all root for each other on this podcast as you listeners know and and that's the happiest part of it like i would rather have you dislike a movie because you are super happy <laughs> you know what i mean like that's yeah that makes us happy i'm like i will i will i think that's a great part to come you know brooke like like we've been talking about like it's good that a movie is kind of like oh i've been there done that i don't you know what I mean? Like, I don't need this movie reminder anymore. That's perfect. I, I would like more people to watch Joe versus the volcano and go, yeah, man, my twenties were rough, but I'm glad I'm past it. <laughs> right. Cause that, <laughs> that's kind of where I, I mean, those were mine was that, you know, your post divorce thirties, it was like, Oh man, mm -hmm. am I Joe? Um, and then you do, you, you get centered and you work through it and, and you get past it. So I think that, that was my favorite part of today, Melissa, is, is <laughs> that part because you you are you're 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 kicking ass at work and you're really happy and all this stuff. And that that really is a good thing to come from this movie is you don't have to do that junk anymore. So I love hearing that. So anyway, that's Me all. Me too. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. you guys. We really are supporters of each other. I love you all. I love um, you so much. Love you too. Oh, um, take that box office. The box office yeah. is here. Can we, can we rename this Melissa versus the bullshit? <laughs> nice. How about Melissa? Melissa takes out the volcano or whatever. <laughs> Melissa beats the volcano. Melissa beats Dakota with a fish. That's what I wanted to do. Right. Either way, I would do, totally okay. I would totally eat at that restaurant. <laughs> that was the best part of the group chat. I need to screenshot this and like put it in the show notes or something where you were like, who is this Abe Vigoda looking motherfucker? And I'm like, nobody tell Melissa. Why does the chief look like Abe Vigoda? Fuck. Like, <laughs> that was great. I had just, I had just said, if a bunch of Italians are playing the indigenous people, I'm going to shit a brick. And then uh -huh. fucking Ape Vagoda comes on the screen as, you know, and I was like, at first I was like, 
it's like it looked a little like him, but he had all the makeup on, and he was screaming at first because, of course, all the indigenous people are just gonna scream, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so I couldn't tell his voice because he has kind of a distinctive voice, but because he was screaming, I was like, "That's not him." Nah, they wouldn't hire Abe Vigoda for this, would they? Well, they fucking did. And Jesus. Nathan Lane. And Nathan Dude. Lane the is. Hell? Yeah, my people the in one the who's 90s were the really dance. clueless. They just didn't get it. Like you shouldn't yeah. be doing that shit. Nope. Truth. Nope. Not that is not a true cool. statement. Uh, yeah, I'm not arguing that. If I argued that, <laughs> I would be wrong. You would be wrong, and I would tell you so. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, so the box office for this, um, this this movie got well. Okay, it did okay. It was made for $25 million and it made $39 million, which adjusted for inflation is $98 million. So, like, this was okay. It made its money back. Um, but was, I remember, like, almost universally reviled when it came out. Um, this movie also came out uh, the same weekend uh march 9th 1980 uh where another film we have um reviewed on this podcast was raining at the box office uh with one ping (laughs) this got stomped by the hunt for red october uh so um just funny that both of those movies were in theaters at the same time uh and yeah studio notes stop being racist stop being racist that would help yeah because i mean this look i i understand especially in 1990 before the internet was had kind of been invented but it wasn't like for the masses you know because it was like a military thing of in its early right. stage, but um, <clears throat> it, it wasn't available. America Online was not really a thing yet. So, like, you know, people only had encyclopedias to go learn about indigenous cultures, and those are not, those were never reliable when it came to those things. They definitely had that white supremacist slant to it, if you all ever read encyclopedias about indigenous cultures. But so, you know, and in the 90s, 90s was all about like casual racism. I mean, it it was allowed. It was, you know, meant as comedy, like in this movie. And so you see these indigenous, this indigenous culture that I guess is like Polynesian in some way, sort of, I don't know. Um, it looked like basically the writers had been to a couple of tiki bars and thought that that made them experts on Polynesian exactly. culture. And then they made this movie. You know what I'm saying? Like their whole research was going to a tiki bar and that was it, you know? Um, and so they could be, you have these people be ridiculous with toe sucking and fish slapping and, you know, somehow being cut off from the world by having a telescope i don't fucking understand that but like that it was it was acceptable back then and and it's not okay and if you were to redo this movie today and and, you know i kind of wish they would because there's a lot of potential here it was just botched you know so if they remade this movie today you've got to have a different premise you can't you know because white people 
who don't read and don't have any intellectual curiosity, they'll believe that there's an indigenous culture out there just like this. Do you understand? Like, absolutely. Not being fucking racist about it. Like, do a little research, maybe base it off of, you know, some actual culture or just have it be some other weird sacrifice and not necessarily one where people of color have to look like a bunch of fucking savages, you know? Um, yeah. That's my biggest studio note. And then the other one, I think I said that I wanted to know what happened when he realizes when it when it dawns on him that his father in law tried to kill him. You know, like that's my other studio note. Yeah, he's gonna kill Lloyd Bridges. <laughs> that's right. And his um, doctor. Who Who else has got some studio notes? I support all of Melissa's. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got some um different director. And and here's here's the reason why. Uh the the guy who wrote and directed this, John Pac- Patrick Shanley, uh is mainly a writer. He wrote Moonstruck, he wrote Alive. Uh he would go on later to win an Oscar for writing and directing doubt. He did write that. I, I forgot that he wrote that. I know he directed it, but okay. So he did. Yeah. Write it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, and, and he was shopping the script around and who calls him up, but uh, Steven Spielberg and says, we want to make this movie. And he's like, great. And he said, I heard you wanted to direct it, which, according to him, was not a thought that had ever entered <laughs> into his mind. And he said, sure, I'd love to direct it. Steven Spielberg how- did the, are these not the droids you're looking for? Move on him. So, he ended up yeah. directing it. And so here's a guy who's never directed a film before and he's directing from his own script. And, um, and, and Steven Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy are basically like writing him a blank check to do whatever he wants and somebody needed there needed to be someone else and you know you look you look at what rob reiner is doing at the same time you look at what penny marshall is doing at the same time there are other great like comedic directors who i think could have put a firmer hand on this and um and and gotten at this and i specifically mentioned reiner and penny marshall because there are people who had directed Hanks and Ryan in other things recently and done and gotten some of their best work out of them. So like, I just, I think another director and this movie also wouldn't have like, like, okay, first of all, I love the lighting in the opening scene because it does feel oppressive and awful. Um, but like the lighting when it's in LA is just weird. And they keep doing this thing with Angelica where there's like a bar of light across her eyes. Like she's Morticia Adams in uh, the Adams family movies, which is it's funny and weird in the Adams family movies, but like weird and off putting in this movie. And I don't know. I think there there could have been a better way to handle all of that. Um, and 
yeah, I don't know. If they were remaking this today, like obviously someone like Taika Waititi would be amazing to make a movie like this. Ooh, um, I see that. So yeah. So uh, other director is my main studio note. And the other one is um, uh, get a better rubber shark. Um, oh I don't that like what was that? That was like a really like come on, you can get a better rubber shark than that. Like I, I don't. It looked like know. his eyes were falling out. Yeah, I don't understand. They spent all the money on Megan's wigs, and then <laughs> they didn't have any more budget left for poor Sharky. Sharky, Sharky, R.I.P. Sharky. The worst part is in the deleted scenes. It's Stallone's voice as the rubber shark. It's terrible. Adrian. <laughs> well, he he is he is King Shark. So you right. know, in <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> deleted scene joke. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love it. Anyway, um. Uh, oh, I guess that brings up something else. Uh, deleted scenes. It feels like there are deleted scenes from the boat. It feels like those characters had some other life to them. Like the um, the first mate, I can't remember her name. Now she's reduced to like one line, which is like, we are in for a blower. And I'm like, why is she putting so much mustard on this line delivery? It's like we're supposed to know who this person is. And it feels like there was a whole backstory to her and her relationship with Patricia and the boat and whatever. And it all got cut out. And I'm just like, then this character either has to fade into the background or we need to know more about her. Um, Probably the latter. Because probably just uh, imitating Meg Ryan and her terrible accents. <laughs> I mean, this movie is pretty scant on female characters who are not played by Meg Ryan, and uh, this movie only barely passes the Bechdel cast because Meg Ryan talks to herself in one scene, and that's it. And no, because they're talking about their father. So they're talking about a man. Oh, they are talking about their father. Oh, so it doesn't count. This movie doesn't pass the Bechdel cat test. Oh. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, there, there needs to be more of that. So anyway. Um, yeah. Those are all of my studio notes. I would like to have seen Lloyd Bridges beyond the island kind of instigating all this nonsense because hmm. I I was when I was watching it I was like I'm pretty sure I remember that in the third act like all the islanders are just fucking with him and it wasn't that way they were taking it completely seriously and I like to me I was like, this would have been a great opportunity for us to be like, yeah, we're so backward. And but they were like actually fucking with the white people and like, you know, especially with Lloyd Bridges and his, you know, assumptions about these, you know, this nation that, you know, likes what it likes, damn it. And um, but it's like I feel like they're they're over the top 
in a way that's offensive, but it's like if they had been over the top in a way that's offensive and the white people were just getting screwed with without under without knowing that. Because like I was like, there's no way that they they actually need someone to jump into a volcano in order to give, you know, whatever this mineral is to Lloyd Bridges. And I was like, unless they're screwing with him. And so I feel like if if Taika Waititi remakes this movie, which I would watch because I'm a sucker, um, like having the the you know the tribe or whatever actually be like, eh, we're really smart, fuck you, uh, would be would be ideal. Um, I think we're... the giant. I think the giant miss is Lloyd Bridges doesn't go picked a hell of a week to quit sniffing lava. And yeah. then he sniffed lava and he. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it also would have been satisfying to see him go down with the island. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm yeah. just, I think that's, that's a good, I mean, you, you got to change the third act to remove all of the inconsistency, like Melissa said, and all the idiocy and problematic nature. So yeah, I, I'm with you, kid. I think you have to do a, a, a couple of different things there. But you could definitely I kind of wanted it to be a, an island filled with burnt out uh, office workers. Mm. And they're just there, like smacking people who couldn't get away in time. You know what I mean? Like there, there's all kinds of fun stuff you could have probably done with that scene. But um, I don't know. I might have just rewritten the whole setup. Yeah, it's um, probably a good but idea. I like that taking Lloyd Bridges and beating him up with fish, too. Or a real shark. <laughs> that that would be okay. All right. Um, one-liners or quotes? Well, I, so I think there's, for me, there's one great one, which is the, I love the dear God whose name I do not know. Thank you for my life. And then the, I forgot how big. I like that because he does not. This movie has that nice, weird agnosticism in it, mm-hmm. right? Or it's just there's grandiosity, but nobody really knows what it is and nobody cares. So as much as I like Patricia's line, I like that line the most. But I still one of my favorite funny lines is the I love you, too. I've never been in love with anyone. It's great. It, I'm glad. But the timing stinks. <laughs> and then he just <laughs> I don't know why, but that line just tickles me because in life timing does stink all the time so i don't know that one's just they they probably shouldn't have been in love so quickly but i love that joke um but the timing stinks and then off he goes yeah i like the interchange between joe and his boss where he's like well, oh, we need God. these we need these catalogs and he's like well i i asked you to order them like two weeks ago well, i can't remember that he's like well i would really we really want these now and he's like and i would really like it if you ordered them and i'm just <laughs> not good enough joe not good enough another like little boss who is blaming his failures on the people around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, Would you like to hear one of my poems? 
<laughs> the line wasn't nearly as good as the presentation, Brooke. That was solid. Yeah. <laughs> Long can you ago. Do, can you do the poem? There we go. The yeah, delicate the thing, tangles of his hair <laughs> covered the emptiness of my poem. <laughs> Would you like to hear it again? <laughs> yes, we would. <laughs> I love Angelica so much. Oh man, I'm like, I'm like iffy on Patricia, but I am totally in love with Angelica. My dad she says I'm a flippity gibbet. The best. I feel she's like so self aware. I love. Well, her. I feel like she's like one of those old timey like Catherine Hepburn characters. But yeah, in the nineties. It's like it's like if if a mid Atlantic accent like went, went to the to mall LA. in in <laughs> LA. Yeah. Yes. Dad, I'm a valley girl now, but I still talk like Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> it's like, it's, oh, because it's I so have good. depth. <laughs> She's an artist. I'm a painter and a poet. Oh. I I think she's I I just and I'm just like oh you are so broken um I think you should spend your money on therapy and you would figure some stuff out really quickly hmm. and be okay so I don't one hundred percent she is the the character I resonate with the most or at least I did when I first watched it. I I am fascinated by everything Angelica does. Uh, so what do you think of L.A.? It looks fake. I like it. Mm. It's a great town. It stinks, but it's a great town. But it's a great town. <laughs> it's like yeah, that that describes L.A. Um, Very well. It looks fake. It's a great town. It stinks. But it's a great town. I have no response to that. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, I mean, I won't read the whole thing, but Joe's entire monologue as he's quitting, oh, selling yeah. his soul for $300 a week, the coffee, the lights, the lights are sucking the life out of you if you don't, they don't give you a headache you must be dead so let's arrange a funeral um yeah yeah so uh i i just i love all of that any other great lines we love melissa any from you <laughs> um no, I like it. It's funny when he said, "Take me to the volcano." It's kind of like, I guess, the iconic line of this movie. But it reminds me of this club that used to exist here in San Antonio called Joe's Volcano. They actually named a club Joe's Volcano. Wow! And wow. I, it was the first club I ever got kicked out of. So that, <laughs> wow. so All right. Back a few minutes. Well, it wasn't me who was misbehaving. And one of it was like a group of us from work, and one of our one of my friends from work brought his buddy and his buddy had previously been kicked out um, for hitting on the bouncer's girlfriend. <laughs> so he remembered him and we all got kicked out. Um, 
because you know they, we could you know, the rest yeah. couldn't stay you know and um so yeah it, it brought back and i had a really bad date there once no uh, with the guy that who, is a and strangely just the fact that he was a DJ, I should have not gone out with him, like, on principle, but <laughs> I did, and it was bad. That's a strangely appropriate series of events to have happened at a place called yeah, Joe's seriously. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah. who's the best side character? Angelica. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angelica. Yeah. Oh, man. I have a hard time because I consider all the Meg Ryans one super awesome character. So mine was Marshall. Mine was Ozzie Davis. Yeah. I love him too. He's so good. Oh, uh, Ozzie Davis is that guy who you could just bring in and he would always just like bring it. Yeah. Um, he's, oh, he was so great. But if we're, if Meg Ryan characters are in, I like Dee Dee too. I mean, Dee's good too, much, but yeah. yeah, Angelica is. I think Angelica is the most entertaining and enjoyable character in this film. Um, so, if we're if Meg Ryan is not a single character, then definitely Angelica. Just for Brooke reading the poem, changed my vote. <laughs> the poem is so good. I wish I had been reading it, but I just know it. <laughs> it's so good. I'm literally cross-stitching. So. I, I, I love Angelica. She's the best. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. Best song. Oh, dang. Is that a pretty kicking soundtrack? Yeah, there's good songs in this. Um, JB, I know you love the ink spots. I do Save love the that. ink spots. It's probably, but. it's, I mean, man, I cover the waterfronts. Beautiful song. Good loving is a good song. 16 good tons is the essence of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the ink spot slightly over the, the Sergio Mendez song. Slightly over. Yeah, that, that's. I think that's that's where I go is the nice. Sergio Mendez, Masquinata. Yeah. Anything but the Elvis song. Because <laughs> I watched him do the Elvish Presley. Oh, <laughs> no, I can't see Elvis Presley ever again. <laughs> on, Elvis Presley. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. the best. <laughs> Shout out to Dropout. Every, hey, uh, uh, holiday sale. You can get an entire year of Dropout for like 20% off. No oh, dang. Buy an annual thing. So uh, consider buying that for your nerdy oh, man. friends. El- so Elvis, can... Presley, Elvis Presley popped up yesterday and I was rolling Andy. I was like, I hope Andy's seen this. So I funny. need to see this now. It, it showed up on my you YouTube do. and I... Uh, I like immediately grab my son and I'm like, it's, it's Brennan and Zach. We got to watch this right now because they, they always bring it on, make some noise. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And then Elvish Presley. (laughs) Uh, And I, I, I love 
Brennan. I yeah, want to be he's the best. Brennan's friend. He's yes. Anyway, okay. Uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan, you are invited on the podcast anytime <laughs> you want, and your lovely wife Izzy. Um, no voices required. Also the best. Yeah. Just hang. I yeah, love just Izzy. hang out. I love Izzy too. She's the best. I and I just love the two of them. That's just yep. that's just beautiful. His Donald okay. Trump is to. Oh my God. Oh, so funny. Him is Sauron. Oh my gosh, that was the one kid. Sauron, Donald Trump. That so good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, most underrated person in LA. Um, okay. Take that, Angelica. It's yeah. a horrible um, city. But it's a horrible city, but Brennan's there. <laughs> Best kill or death? Did anyone die in this movie? Well, I guess the entire island of you know, was like the whole island died. <laughs> I mean, this movie's pretty. This movie's pretty oh, flippant about boat. death, considering yeah. it's a movie about dying, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's actually a ton of people who get killed in this movie, and we're like, ah, boats. No, we're on screen. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of weird about this film, though. Like, that's why it's so much of me wonders if this is made up in his head. If it is, if yeah, yeah. that's that's what you think is weird. Well, I mean, (laughs) I think that's the weirdest part of a movie about death being so flippant with everybody else dying. That's true. So it'd be like if they remade the movie Chef and they were like, "Fuck sandwiches." (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares about sandwiches. This is a movie about a chef. (laughs) (laughs) So confused. I think the best kill is the flower. Oh, oh yeah. Solid. Yeah. I think that's true. That is true. Okay. Is this a good movie? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> 66% of a good movie. I feel like I can't even answer this question anymore. I think it is. I feel like it's a good Ish. movie if you show it to kids. I hedged my bet. (laughs) I think it's good ish. It's good ish. It's it's important to me. I don't know if it's good. Ooh, yeah. But it's yeah. I don't know. It is not Um, an an entirely well made or well crafted movie, mm -hmm. but I think it's a great script. How about that? There's a lot of great ideas in here that resonate with me a lot. Ebert, Ebert said he liked the movie because the script was incredible and it took a lot of chances. He's like, it's a movie I've never seen before. It takes a lot of chances and the script is incredible. And I would say he's right about the script. Yeah. Um, uh, let's. OK, here's some here's some reviews at the time. Not since Howard the Duck has there been a big budget comedy <laughs> wow. as flat as those of Joe versus the Volcano. Many gifted people contributed to it, but there's no disbelieving the grim evidence on the screen. Whoa. Richard Canby of uh, the New York Times. Oh, well, they don't um, like anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ebert. Ebert gave it a three and a half out of four stars, yeah, calling it. it a new 
new and fresh and not shy of taking chances. The film achieves a kind of magnificent goofiness. Hanks and Ryan are the right actors to inhabit it because you can never catch them going for a gag that isn't there. They inhabit the logic of this bizarre world and play by its rules. Uh, when he brought the film to Ebert Fest in 2012, he wondered why he gave it three and a half stars instead of four. Wow. Roger Ebert loved this movie. <laughs> and everybody else hated it. So that feels about right. Yeah. That I I think that I, is I mean exactly. I I again I think I think it's a it's a it's a three three and a half star script, but I I don't think it played out on the film. Like this, this movie tried to do a lot of weird things, a lot of out there things, and it succeeded on some of them and yeah. miserably failed on a lot of them. So Howard like, the Duck know. shout out wow. Howard the Duck. It's like, but that that's what I remember about. When this movie came out, people hated it so much. And so when, um, when, uh, like a few years later, like, no, 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 Joe versus the volcano, actually good, rewatch it. And I'm like, okay. And I rewatch it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this movie does kind of like subtly rule. Uh, and then as I have aged, it has aged with me. And, uh, the older I get, the more the more important I feel like it is. Because <laughs> it is a great midlife crisis movie. Anyway. I wonder, though, if, like, some of this... Because I even said at the beginning how the consensus on this has changed, shifted quite a bit since it came out. And I do right. wonder if it's a part of our cultural shift as well, because in 1990, we didn't talk about anxiety or depression. You were weak if you had those conditions, right? Nobody knew. Yeah the fuck ptsd was you know they they probably were still calling it shell shock which is what you know the world wars and stuff when they had ptsd they called it shell shock right and yeah. nobody ever studied it or really cared about it you know and if somebody came back broken like that oh they're just weak you know now i mean there's still a lot of stigma around these things but not nearly as much and we are allowed to talk about them and not just to ourselves or to our closest people. We can talk out loud about them now. Um, they're still judgmental people. You know, there probably always will be. But I wonder if the rejection of this movie initially by people who hated it was because it reminded them of something they didn't want to be reminded of. And now we're allowed to talk about it. So they don't feel like it's taboo anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think that's totally. a big thing. Yeah. yeah. That's a yeah. really good point. Yeah. I think maybe that's why some of us have held on to it so much is because it was the first conversation we were allowed to openly have. Yeah. And, and, um, Kit and I's, um, father at about the same time that this movie came out had a severe PTSD breakdown. And that was essentially sort of the, the end of him being able to, exist in public life at all um mm -hmm. because of how bad that that mental break was um about about the same time as this about the same time as the iraq war um so yeah you're definitely right 
Melissa, like people didn't talk about PTSD. People didn't know what that was. They weren't, uh, they weren't dealing with it well. Um, so yeah, it's rough. Uh, so may, maybe that's why we love it. It's just like, yeah, we, cause we, we kind of lived it. Um, what was going on too. Um, is the main character, Joe Banks, a good person? He is. Yeah. He's not yeah. very bright, but he's, a, he's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, and should we show this to children? Yes. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I'm down with showing this to children. This is what the world has waiting for you. 16 tons. This is why you're supposed to go to college, so you can have a slightly better life than this. You can you can pay off everything slower. Yeah. yeah. It actually made Prue be like, yeah, this is why I don't want to go to college. I want to just be an artist. I want to do my own thing. Like, you can only do that if your father is an evil billionaire who <laughs> will buy your yeah. art and put it up in his restaurants. Sadly, feels true. Sadly. But yes, um, at least he didn't put it up in the volcano. Just uh, yeah, minus points for location. Just I would, make sure I we have totally... the conversation about how racist it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah, that's that's important. But going back to the art, I would totally buy a recreation of Angelica's art of this is a real scene and like hang that up in my house. I'm gonna, the- I'm gonna go look for that. I I'm want the F- I want the NFT of Brooke reading the poem. You <laughs> <laughs> can get the NFT. Yes, I'll have Brooke, Brooke read the poem. That, that would be even better. Okay, um, stick a fork in it. That's Joe versus the volcano, the first Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie. Um, the uh, movie that only half of us lavaed. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Aww. Sorry, one of the kids is looking at me, so I had to make the, the pun. There we go. Yeah. You're oh, tired. They just left. <laughs> I win. <laughs> That's how you get rid of kids. It. I did it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll be back uh, for New Year's to talk about meeting your true love on top of the Empire State Building at New Year's. Um, with or in Provo, in Disneyland, sleepless in Disneyland. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be so hot! That's a very, different, very different movie. I mean, I haven't seen sure. this. One. I'm excited. Oh wow, cool! It's it's really good. I haven't seen it in forever. Like Same. not since the '90s. I so. I mean, listen, I'm a while you were sleeping guy. That's my jam. But this is mm-hmm. pretty. This is pretty close. Yeah, you've got this, mail, damn, the nineties. This just doesn't have Joe Fusco. If, if Sleepless in Seattle had Joe Fusco, <laughs> yeah, it would be the best hey, is that guy bothering you? Because he's like he's leaning. Are you trying on my shoes? No, are you trying on my shoes? You locked me in here. <laughs> Oh, anyway, everybody we go watch while you're a, sleeping. You need to find a reason to watch while you were sleeping. <laughs> it's Christmas. Sleep. That's Baby's the perfect birthday reason to watch movie. It. Oh, man. Oh. That movie is so good. Argentina has great beef. Beef <laughs> and Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm looking forward to Melissa hating that movie so much. Is there a trilogy of off-the-cuff Nazi mentions? Is there like three movies that we like? Can we just let's find movies with amazing Peter Gallagher eyebrow performances? Oh, Uh, now we're talking. Anyway, anyway, this American Beauty and I don't know what's another Peter Gallagher movie. I'm sure we can find another. I feel like he was in like a Spy Kids kind of movie. <laughs> Probably. Okay. Um, any he anything Titanic? else? I don't think he was in Titanic. I thought he was in. Oh, oh I know he was in Mr. Deeds. There you go, Andy. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that movie's so. T- I hate that movie. Oh, you know what? My I favorite movie my... of one of my favorite movies of his, Sex Lies and Videotape. Oh, hey, yeah. That's that I have not seen in a while, so I will probably hate when I watch it. Yeah, I don't know how well that has aged. Yeah, I worry about that movie. I don't want to revisit it. Probably sucks. Man. <laughs> um, okay, well, um, happy holidays to everyone, uh, and um, yeah, wherever you go, make sure we take this luggage with us. Mm-hmm. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. Oh, I have no response to that.